To discuss the headlines, I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Wong, director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, who's dressed in his reindeer antlers and a rather funky Christmas sweater. Good morning, Alex. Hi, good morning, Stephen. And Catherine Young, investment director, Fidelity International, um, who's dressed as a Christmas elf. Good morning, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> sure, uh, morning. <laughs> and to paint a picture, our producer Carolyn has dressed up as a smurf, even painting her face blue. And our um, engineer is in a full reindeer outfit, which must be very warm. So let's go on to the business questions. There's been a few China data points announced over the last few days. What are they indicating to you, Catherine? That there's still some weakness and that confidence really hasn't resumed, especially when it comes to the consumer. So I think for next year, we really do need to see a revival in confidence, you know, again, from the consumer perspective, which will have a knock-on effect into the corporate world, and really to see earnings re-ratings. And all this, when we look at it from a broad perspective, needs to also be underpinned by policy support, both fiscally as well as monetary. But again, it's going to be tweaking around the edges versus what we're previously used to when it comes to China. Alex? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the major focus would be on the consumer side. Um, import and also uh, CPI are weak, so that indicates uh, demand from there actually is quite weak. And then I think uh, overall, um, we, we are still affected by the uh, slump in the housing market, so probably we need some more policy support from the government. Okay. Uh, well, let's look at the US now and the Fed announcement this week, which everybody is holding its breath for. Uh, what do you think it will be? And if it's no change to interest rates, when do you think that will happen, Alex? I think they will hold the weight steady. Uh, right now, I think uh, people probably would uh, accept that the US economy actually is much more resilient than uh, expected. So uh, the focus would be really on inflation because I think other parts of the world actually are weak. So uh, that would help to contain inflation. So uh, this scenario is probably a little bit changing uh, right now that um, probably in the past, probably people expect the US to cut rates soon. But I think uh, the economy actually is much more resilient. So they probably will think uh, the key would be on the inflation side. So um, this wait may, may stay longer, but the high cycle has ended. And that would and, and then when they will cut rate actually is a, is a variable right now. But I think the market doesn't care about too much about that because the bond market actually already are reacted and the long-term rates actually are coming down. So that is helping the market sentiment. Yeah, I looked at some data this morning and um, March seems to be the favourite. Um, when you look at baked in to the um, prices of different things, um, and some people are saying May. What are you thinking, Catherine? Consensus seems to be for the second quarter, both from the US Federal Reserve as well as even now the ECB. But as Alex said, you know, I think... There's one thing to be having rhetoric and messaging from the central banks. It's another thing to actually see the data points coming through. So I think we need confirmation of where the economy is going before we see any actual moves. And what I found interesting is there was a, a survey, I think the uh, results were out yesterday, um, where the general public are much more negative about the economy than the actual data is showing. Why do you think that is, Catherine? Again, it could just be concerns around global politics, uh, global trade. Uh, what you're seeing in China in terms of households are wealthy with the savings rate about 35%, but people just aren't willing to spend. And so I think you could see that trend emerge in other countries or economies around the world. So, 
you know, again, it goes back to this confidence and, and people feeling good about spending money. And as we know, in China, with the household price, all the house prices coming off, people just don't have that confidence that they're used to. Any thoughts from you, Alex? I think same. Yeah, the the they they are feeling um more pessimistic. I think because uh, the prices actually are coming up, and so um probably they are feeling the pressure of inflation now. So they probably are tend to save a little bit more in the future. Yeah, very interesting psychological stuff. Now, in addition to the Fed, there are several other central banks making announcements this week, which you think will still be on an upward trajectory, and any of them on a downward direction. Catherine? I think when we look at the easing of policy, it's still very much uh, the PBOC or the Central Bank of China and uh, Central Bank in China. Uh, the Bank of Japan, everyone's looking at after their sort of messaging last week. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But again, it's until we get more certainty, you're just sort of in this trading range uh, with uncertainty, really, and people really trying to dissect messaging without actual moves. And some very contradicting data at times. Um, Alex, what do you have to add? Yeah, of course, I think uh, BOJ probably will be the focus because uh, they, they are the only one probably uh, will still have room to, to hike rate. So, um, and people are looking at their policies closely, but the data from Japan actually are still quite weak. So I think uh, people probably um, are a little bit um, over-concerned last week. And probably the, the sharp fall in yen is just due to unwinding. So I think uh, BOJ probably will be the focus. And then another focus probably will be in, in, in Europe. I think uh, people expect Europe to cut rates uh, sooner than the US, but uh, I think the timeline actually also, also uh, probably a second quarter last, next year. Yeah, now uh, there's some interesting stuff going on in Japan at the moment with Prime Minister Kishida uh, reportedly going to overhaul his cabinet amid the funding scandal and analysts predicting the move could grant the Bank of Japan new leeway, signalling the end of negative interest rates. What do you think to that, Catherine? It had to come at some point, but I think, you know, again, when it comes to Japan, the mindset change of, of Japanese consumers in terms of inflation can be good. So sort of leaving this lost decades of deflation, I think, is key. And then also from an investment perspective, the change in corporate governance. So the Tokyo Stock Exchange really encouraging companies to reward minority shareholders. So you're seeing an increase in the price to book ratios, you know, high dividends instead of just sitting on the cash. And that's Really key. So Japan, obviously, alongside India, has been the key preferred markets for foreign investors. Yeah. And there's um, moving on now to a different country. Let's go on to India. Um, now, several organizations are looking to expand in other countries. Vietnam seems one of the favorites. And of course, 2024 is an election year for the country. How do you see all this impacting the India markets in 2024, Alex? I think uh, it's still one of the favorite. Actually, people are saying that the, the Indian market cap actually is catching up with Hong Kong right now. So I think um, people probably uh, will India as uh, the the like the China ten years ago or, or or even fifteen years ago. They have a young population and and people expect a repeat because uh, they they know the what kind of business model actually work in China. So they probably look for similar business model in in India. They are quite enthusiastic, even though the probably price to earnings ratio would be high, but uh, they think uh, the future potential actually would be great. So that's why I think they are putting uh, money into into India. And I don't think uh, the, the election would change that kind of trend. 
Martin Gay. Would you agree with that, Catherine? I, I agree in terms of it's likely that Modi will win the election next year because there isn't really any any other strong candidates. But I, I would argue that the Indian stock market's looking pretty expensive, like 40 times, uh, especially when you compare it to China, which is trading at less than 10 times. And so there's no margin of safety, it feels, at this point, just from a very broad perspective. And Look, it could, it's going to likely, it's, or it's in track to become you know, the giant in terms of GDP, and China doesn't want to grow at that kind of pace that it used to. But I would be cautious because you're not going to have the same resource intensity that China had in India. And also, when you look at global demand, it's not like it was when China was really, really growing. So I'd be very stock-specific when it comes to India. And again, when we look at flows, we've seen about $12 billion going into the Indian stock market from foreign investors, $27 billion into Japan. But we can't lose sight of China. And when you look at the Stock Connect program, the northbound trade, so that's money going into mainland China, has been just shy of $10 billion. So not that far off India. And staggeringly, when you look at the southbound trade, so that's money coming into Hong Kong, it's like close to 40 billion. So it surpasses Japan. So despite all the negative sentiment when it comes to China this year, you're still seeing a lot of flow of money. A couple of rays of sunshine there, Catherine. Now, talking about Vietnam, um, President Xi visits Vietnam today and is set to enhance ties with Vietnam through infrastructure grants. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Catherine? I think one of the big trends next year is going to be this continuation of infrastructure development, especially with what we're now dubbing the Global South. And interestingly, whether it's in India, whether it's in China, whether it's in Eastern Europe, whether it's in LATAM, a lot of these infrastructure deals are being done, trade deals as well, in local currency, so RMB included. And I think this, you know, as I mentioned, this trend's going to continue. And it'll be interesting to see how this trend goes if we do happen to see a dip in terms of developed market economies. Alex? I am not an expert in Vietnam, but I think uh, mm. Vietnam actually is trying to get um, both sides, um, the West and the East, uh, to come together to invest. In, and so they probably would play a middle role. Do you th think, Catherine, you're saying maybe Vietnam isn't worth investing in? Oh, no, it's a great... Uh, you think so, it's, yeah. it's got great growth potential. Mm. Uh, you do have to also be mindful of multiples and, and liquidity. But in terms of what Vietnam's done and uh, when we look at the China plus one strategy, so the manufacturing prowess and absorbing a lot of that FDI, they've done incredibly well. In fact, probably more successful than India. Okay. Um, Alex, that must be really difficult to get that balance of managing China and um, the West. Do you think they're going to pull it off? I think that probably they would uh, because uh, they are quite successful in getting uh, the manufacturing sector um, taking on uh, off. And I think uh, probably Chinese probably uh, would be the one behind some investment in that area. So I think uh, they are doing a good job. Mm. Maybe both sides will start throwing money at them, which would be quite good for them. Anyway, let's move on to Australia, who are overhauling the migration with stricter visa rules. And that does seem to be setting a pattern globally. There's other countries doing that as well. But isn't that going to be negative overall? Because when you're looking at most countries, unemployment is very low. Alex? Uh, I think uh, probably the demand is high, so they are putting some instructions and, and probably, of course, are some opposition from the locals. So I think, of course, that would be not, not, not good because the labor market is tight and also uh, probably uh, the new uh, entrance probably would bring a lot of investment. So I think, uh, of course, that is not good, but I think uh, probably it indicates uh, the demand actually is quite high right now. 
Catherine? Yeah, I agree. Demand tends to be high, especially in our higher education. So I think, you know, just making tweaks to policy, it's not going to see demand completely go away. In fact, you could have more popularity because the more exclusive something seems to become more harder to get. You often see psychologically people wanting it more. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's very interesting stuff. But Japan's probably the most challenged country with their ageing population. Do you think they're actually going to do anything major about that anytime soon, Catherine? doesn't feel like it. But, you know, again, from an investment perspective, all these economies with ageing demographics, you're seeing a real push in terms of healthcare and biotech to support uh, the, the change in demographic profile we're seeing. Alex? Yeah, I think they probably will change a little bit. They probably will be relaxing a little bit in the future, I think, for Japan. Right. One last question. Alex, what's top of your Christmas list? Uh, what? I will, I'm trying to bid some, uh, some, some price on the Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> I took it in, yeah, <laughs> an hour later. Okay. And um, Catherine, what's top of your Christmas list? I'd like to see uh, China getting re-rated and earnings to come through.